welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is an independent music podcast where I have conversations with legendary, established, and new upcoming musicians. And today I speak with Julia Kugel-Montoya from the Coat Hangers, White Woods, and Salt Palms. And speaking of Salt Palms, the song that played us in is Batty, and that's from their debut album, and if you want to buy that or check it out, uh, all the links to the stuff is in the show notes. And she she created the band with her husband, Eric, and um, it's really great. And we also discuss her charity and the links to that charity is in the show notes. So please buy the album, support artists. And if you like th- those bands, coat hangers and whatnot, check out some of my other guests. If you're here because of Julia, please check out some past episodes. Um, I've talked to a lot of people that uh, are, you know, in the same vein or not, but like Danita Sparks from L7, Steve Gunn recently, Tim Presley, Harmar Superstar. Um, So check out some of my older episodes. And if you like what you're hearing or if you've been enjoying the show and you want more, you could always go to my Patreon where I post uh, extra um, content. Usually these episodes, the conversations are shorter. So I put the full thing up on the Patreon. There's blogs. Sometimes the video record the interviews, which I didn't with Julia and I felt bad. I thought I did, but I didn't because, um, I'm not like a tech whiz. It's amazing. The show exists quite honestly, but please become a Patreon supporter. And if you can't support that way, just tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot. And, uh, uh, it, in the show notes also is my linked tree, so that'll take you to everything. And a great way to find out about upcoming shows and uh, and past shows is go to the uh, Instagram. Conversations with Dwyer is the Instagram there. And I think that's it. I I, I just had to I had to plug my Patreon. I have to do it because I'm working at making this bigger and bigger, and it's working and working. But speaking of working, let's get working on moving into this conversation with Julia Kugel-Montoya. It's a great episode. I'm very excited. Thank you for listening. That you grew up in Belarus? Yeah, I was born there. I'm, I'm a refugee, an immigrant to this country. Yeah. Uh, what age did you move over here? From, uh, seven. Oh, seven? Yeah. Oh, for some reason, I got the impression from this article that you lived there your whole life. That's what they said. Oh, no, that, that, that's unless, not. Unless yeah. they interviewed you at eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a real creepy magazine. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I know. I lived in Atlanta most of the time after that. But yeah, we came over here in 1990. Uh, were you f- fleeing politically or anything? Yeah, yeah. it was right before the fall. And so they were allowing certain people to get out. And um, yeah, we we got to got out, get out. We were like the last people allowed out before they closed their borders. Wow, that's crazy. Occurred. Yeah, so. Yeah, because when I read that you were from there, I tried to like, you know, I did a little research and just like, it seemed like a politically tumultuous time in the actually for centuries <laughs> yeah it was it's um for a while there the like lukashenko is the current uh dictator who they're trying to you know oust uh 
and he had thrown out the U.S. embassy. So there was like no way for me to go visit my family. Anytime I've ever done political speak uh, on the subject, I've been like sort of warn that if it's like too public then my family could be in danger i think that the the freedom of speech that's afforded to all u.s citizens whether we you know is is like insanely like it's it's a big prize for human existence because when i grew up that we only had three channels there was there was no free press you know they even right now when they had uh protests last year um they shut down the internet so that no one could get information in or out like for the whole country they just so it's it's like it's like a it's a really interesting perspective to have while being in a band in the united states you know i'm very grateful especially during a time of where there's a lot of protest and i mean it's a highly highly tense time in our country but it's been, you know, we started on our way back from an anti-Bush rally. Like there's always been protests and it's always felt very politically charged and being females in the industry, it's always been very politicized, but we were also like very mindful of that. And just cause it, it came up to a, a roaring boil doesn't mean it hasn't been simmering True. for a long time. Yeah to watch what you say because you have family in belarus is that i didn't know if that was sort of implied with something you said a little earlier yeah well um and if you don't want can't talk about that i also (laughs) i i do like you know i'm mindful of of uh what i say because of that for sure but i'm not speaking out against you know any government official right now so it's you know we're not like (laughs) (laughs) in great uh danger but you know the borders are real and laws are real and and uh repercussions or consequences are can be very real so people disappear i i don't i i yeah i'm just mindful ever ever since i got sort of that awakening i'm i'm very mindful about what i say that's that's pretty well what drew your family towards atlanta um, just because we had some friends and another family member living there. So it seemed like, you know, right. I'm just always people went to New York or LA. <laughs> yeah, it's like basically everyone flo- flies into New York. So there was some opportunity. I mean, um, it just sort of, you know, like I, commend my parents for in their thirties moving to a new country with two kids and not really knowing what the hell was going to happen. Not really knowing, you know, my dad went into construction, my mom got a job and then they started, we started like learning the language and figuring shit out. Can you, can you speak the, what, oh, it's, it's Russian, right? It's Russian. Yeah. There's uh Belarusian is a language as well, but because we were under the Soviet union, everyone was, uh, made to learn Russian in school. So I never actually learned Belarusian. Um, it's very similar. It's, it's like a, like a, almost like a dialect, but, um, yeah, I speak Russian. And did you start playing guitar around then? Cause I read that you were, um, a Russian guy in a church basement taught you classical guitar, which I was fascinated. I just, that interested me greatly. 
Yeah, I started when I was young. My mom like plays piano. And so I, I was accepted to music school when I was in Belarus. But we sort of moved before I actually was able to start. Um, and then once I got here, I was in choir and then, yeah, I wanted to learn guitar. So my mom found me this teacher and he was this really quirky guy that was very like passionate about music and not the bullshit of it, you know, and we would meet in a church basement where he like led the choir and he wouldn't take after a while, he wouldn't even take payment, which was like 10 bucks. Cause he was like, he had these very interesting ethics and policies and stuff. So I would bring him like chocolates and you know, like something. Cause you, you don't get something for nothing. You have to always give to receive. So, um, yeah. And then he was just like, you've learned enough. And I was like, I just know the chords. <laughs> Help me, you know? Uh, but yeah, that was really, really cool. I drove there every, every week. Did so I learned around, um, 15 and 16 how to actually play guitar classical guitar and I never played electric guitar and I never used a pick so when we started the band I was like how do you hold a pick what <laughs> how do you do this you know I was like um more in, so it was really cool it was like a new experimentation did did you feel like this gentleman's passion sort of was imparted on you did like his yeah, he was like, so like the church told him that they wanted the choir to sing some way. And then he didn't really believe that. He believed that his way, you know, he was very impassioned. Yeah. And like very righteous in what his vision was. And I, I believe that it, it definitely impressed me a lot. And I wanted to impress him in that way because I knew he was very particular, you know, and he wasn't a bullshitter. It's not like, Oh, that's nice. He'd be like, what was that? You know, <laughs> you obviously haven't been practicing. There wasn't this like, you know, gentle stepping around subjects. He was very, very Russian in his way. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I appreciate that. I re appreciate passionate people that have a point of view. Do you, when you sort of when you started playing around with the electric guitar, did you find that that was a tapping into something a, a new way for you to express yourself? Oh yeah, because I always sing like very you know sad ballad songs, and that I had always written songs. I wrote my first song when I was like in fourth grade or no fifth grade, and then the chorus like sang it. My teacher really liked the song. It was called "I Am a Dreamer." <laughs> And she, um, I wrote it on piano and she like learned it and she, the whole quiet, the chorus in, in, in class is super cool. But, um, yeah. So when I started with the electric guitar, that's when I found the space to express my rage, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the noise of being in the band, it was like, ah, because, you know, we have both sides and I, it was a very safe space to a safe environment to express any emotion, including ones that are not socially acceptable. <laughs> yeah. uh, how crazy of a, a boost of Pasepin for young you to have your song like immediately sung with a choir, like that's kind of got to be a wild I mean that's a wild feeling as an adult let alone as a kid I think I don't think I realized you know the the 
grandeur of it or anything. I was just like, oh, cool. But I was always very shy. Like, I never really, um, that's why it took me so long to make like any solo work uh, public because I would hoard it and I wouldn't show anyone. So it made me very, very nervous to show my songs to people. And I think I was more, more nervous that it wasn't good enough, even though. She, you know, my te- I was like, felt like, well, my teacher's just being nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he saw something in you, though? I mean, something special? Because there's clearly... Okay. Yeah, it was a woman. Um, she she maybe, yeah, I think so. I think she was encouraging me, and it was a nice sentiment, you know? Um, yeah, I, I've had some really, really wonderful teachers, I think. That's what's the teachers that, that have pushed me and, and uh, maybe they saw something in me, but I think they probably see something in everyone. Right. Maybe. Did you, was there ever a, a, a point where it clicked with you or that it was like, Oh, I'm very good at this, that there's some kind of, I'm not articulating is it, but I think you, you know, like that there's a passion and a, a, a special quality to your, what you're doing? I think maybe last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's it, like maybe yeah maybe last year maybe the year before that I've always um, uh, I, I you know very critical of, of my of myself and my my skills like I know that I am able to do anything that I want to. So I'll keep trying, but there's, there's, there's always like a momentum forward and I I haven't really been, I'm never like really haven't really been satisfied with anything that I've done, you know, like, like finish it and be like, okay, that was good. Okay. Moving forward. Got to do, you know, whatever. Or like the first record, you know, that we re-released, I didn't listen to that record for the first like eight years that it was out because I was like, uh, nitpicking it to death. I'm a nitpicker. I'm just like, you know, it's just like, yeah, I think with the soft palms record, I think that was the first time I was like, Oh, maybe it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's just also the sort of the artist's internal sort of struggle where you're like, I can do it. Cause you said, I know I can do anything, but then you also have this, and I, I think a lot of creative people do. They have that internal dialogue where they're like, almost you're fighting with yourself for. Uh, yeah, it's just stupid. But I think you are like you're being that teacher. You're the, being that cha- you're challenging yourself to be better. And then, but sometimes it can like get you down. You know, you're just like I suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> what I do is I walk away and I try doing something else that will inspire me. Sometimes it's even like you know, playing a different instrument or reading a book, you know, like you can't, when you're creating something out of nothing, it's really difficult. And that's just for me, maybe others. It's just, you can't, it's not on demand, you know, you can't just be like, do now. That's why it's weird with like album cycles and stuff, because you're expected to just like do it. And um, really good. I feel like really good art and music comes from, reflection and inspiration um so like you know i i like to diversify i like i like to do other things even if it's just gardening because it really like 
opens up your perception of and also lyrically it helps because you you end up writing about the same shit all the time i mean almost every coat hanger song that i was part of writing is like shut up leave me alone don't train. <laughs> like obviously the sentiment was there of like feeling overexposed did you because i've read uh, where you said that uh it, it was easy for you to scream and be loud with the coat hangers was there that part of you though that really was sort of wishing you could get to the what you're doing now is that make it's like the soft because um i i think that when i was doing the coat hanger like i always wrote songs uh, on my own and i really like having the dichotomy of of the two because with coat hangers i definitely had two collaborators at 1.3 collaborators you know that um had to work with and what it it was good because it pushed it in a different direction and it was also difficult because then I didn't have full control where in my solo stuff when I sang by myself and I have full control I have full control over production over you know so it's like really nice to have both because you can't just uh, at least for me like sitting alone and doing it you also get in a certain pattern and then like working with people you create that sound that you create with those people so um I was always waiting for the time to create a, a record like soft palms uh I was always waiting, but there was never any time because we were always, always working with coat hanger stuff. So, but I think it was good because I learned so much. I learned so, so much in that time. And when I was in my twenties, I wanted to scream and rage and that's the time. Like <laughs> we did it in the ideal time. We had the time of our lives. Uh, and it was, it was amazing. When was the time that you felt like uh, comfortable and like with releasing with the transitioning to Whitewoods? Because you said you were afraid to release that yeah. stuff. Or I was just. I used to send David demos all the time, and I'd be like, "Don't show this to anyone." And David from Suicide Squeeze, because he's he's like a close friend, and I trusted him. So for me, like literally, I was like shake if if I knew people were listening to it. It was like telling people my secrets. So, um, finally I sent him another batch of demos and he was like, okay, when do you want to do a seven inch or what? Like, when do you want to do this? And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, went and recorded the seven inch and it was like, you know, doing the art and everything for it. It was really cool and very surreal. And it was like probably, I don't know when that seven inch came out, probably like what, 2010 or 11 or something. So it was like, you know, several years into coat hanger stuff. And it felt nice to have my own things. Again, something I had like control over and something that was different, like a different side um, of my personality. Because everyone just, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I've... I just was curious because I know with some other people I've interviewed where they, when they switch gears like that, they get backlash. And for me, I'm always like, just me personally as a fan, like when people drastically switch and do something that personally excites me. Cause I'm like, Oh, like I kind of expect it and want it, but like the, uh, I'm flaking on his name from fruit bats told me like, he just changed, went to his name. He didn't even change his band. And people were like, Nope. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> uh, 
Well, you know what they say about people and opinions. Yes. I think um, I didn't expect anyone. I didn't expect anything. I think maybe that's the key is like, don't expect anything. No one had backlash. I don't, that I know of, but I, I, you know, I don't read comments or whatever, like, and people usually only send me reviews when they're good. So I was like, I I learned that a long time ago with code hangers that people just are, you know, some people like to shit talk and degrade from the comfort of their own home. Um, So like, I, I never really thought that maybe it was so different. I thought, or that people, because you know, even Soft Palms just got like best uh, record, one of the best records of 2020 in Punk News, and it's like Punk News, Soft Palms. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I guess it's pretty punk, you know. Like it's pretty punk to actually do whatever the fuck you want to do without trying to adhere to genres. Genres are like so outdated. That's not something that like the youth responds to right now is genres. It's there's a fluidity in music that's just if it's good or not. And I I think maybe I was just writing that wave. I never really thought about what people would think about it. Yeah. I think it would just speak to a different audience. It was like music my mom would listen to, you know, or like you could like sort of the seamstress where I worked, she was like, I put it on by when I'm at the campfire. And I was like, shit, that's awesome. Different audience. Yeah. Just for a side note, my five-year-old daughter, when the first time I played it, she stopped and she was like, her voice is beautiful. (laughs) And she heard one specific song and then the next day she wanted to hear it again. And I could, I played the whole album. So I was like, I don't know what song. And she was like getting upset. She's like, I need to hear the beautiful voice. <laughs> so you have a, a new fan. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> I love to hear that. Uh, yeah. And she's a little thriving, uh, I think musician. Cause we got her a ukulele yesterday and she's like singing and making up songs. And uh, she likes bikini kill and she likes to, coat hangers as well so we're trying awesome. you know push her in the right direction yeah. <laughs> but, but you know but let her discover what you, we also have to suffer frozen so <laughs> <laughs> well you know i always i had the little mermaid so it's like this the same it's such a therapeutic thing like you're giving your child such a gift of being able to give herself therapy, you know, like expressing these things and making things and creating these things is, is really important. Even, I mean, I don't recommend that anyone go into the music industry, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but sometimes you're compelled and you have to, and that's what you want to do. But at least having that as like a tool for life is very important. So kudos to your daughter and to you. Um, it's interesting because I am in the other kind of showbiz and TV type or was, I can't stand it. <laughs> but like, I understand that where like, don't go into showbiz, but yet you're in it deep in it. And is it, but is it different that I guess you are fortunate to be with Suicide Squeeze opposed to like, because I've read some of the nightmares that like people saying, we have a vision for you and like play this kind of stuff. And that that just seems maddening to me. Yeah. um, 
we never had that for Suicide Squeeze, definitely. And the Soft Palms is out on Everloving Records. And, you know, I think they have more of a vision of they not but not of our characters or of the way we look or anything that we've never been you know stylized i've never been subjected to that but i don't i well actually you know people tried when we first came out we had several people being like we want to i want to be your manager but i think you should we know we should stylize you guys and like this this kid who yeah in atlanta had a whole meeting about it He's like, I think you should put in electric drums. And you know what? Maybe if we followed his advice and maybe if we put our face on our records and maybe if we wore bikinis more, like, <laughs> we would have, like, made it. You know, we would have been the Taylor Swift or whatever. But we definitely are like, no, nah, that's not really interesting to us. And uh, we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And it was a really great gift to have suicide squeeze on board the whole time saying that yeah whatever whatever you guys want to do it's I, I don't even know what it would be like to have someone just like <laughs> dictate your life for you suck. I, I, I always find it weird that that's still after so many bands who don't adhere to those sort of ways and they obviously are successful like you guys you've had a very long you've had a, a lot of success and you've been going at it for like over a decade where it's like when did they click and go hey maybe we should just let them do what they want and we should shut the fuck up um because success it depends on how you measure success um whether it's through you know likes or album streams or album sales or sync deals you know it's like we were people now and people that are in the biz, you know, starting off like biz minded, they, they're very uh, selective and in, in how they do things and they have a path and, and that's what labels can help you do. If that's, if that's your goals, you know, we wanted to make art and we weren't really interested in making it until later when we were like, oh shit, we should probably be making some money because we have spent 10 years doing this. And then we were like, okay, well, I guess the biz side of it, I took business, music business in college and I just fucking hated it. It took out all the joy. It took out all the magic, but it's really stupid, you know, not to know that part of it and like not to know publishing and licensing and all that stuff. So I, uh, you got to find the balance between the two. I think a lot of people are very smart and uh, they know that they can use their, see, we were all female band. Like we never capitalized on it. We never capitalized fully on it. We didn't put our faces on our records <laughs> until like 2012 you know, we were around and like, I spoke to the, one of the ladies that was in, um, not the Go-Go's, but, um, that fuck. Anyway, they were, she was in a girl band that's saying, I'm your Venus, I'm your fire. You know? Yeah. Yes. So, and she said that the, their label never, ever let them not put their face on the, on the record. They never had, they had one single that they used the cartoon drawing of themselves and it didn't do as well. And the label said, never, ever again, you always have to put your face on your records because 
people will be interested. <laughs> and we, we didn't, you know, we didn't. We didn't. When you and I'm pretty proud of that. When you did eventually put your face on the, did it, did, did, was there a noticeable difference or did it? Well, the first time we did, we, it was hidden in hair for suck my shirt. So you couldn't actually see our faces. We were just actually on the record for the first time. And then for, um, what's it called? Nosebleed weekend. We actually like stood there still and put our face on it. And that's not until like 2014. And, um, yeah, it was like shit. It's, it was kind of nervous. We were kind of nervous about it. Yeah, it, was it weird to see like walk through a record store or see an ad for like a ad for it in a magazine or something where you're like, oh shit, that's us. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't. I, yeah, it's like when we got the light boxes the first time, and it was like, whoa. I mean, the whole thing is trippy. I think. It was just, it's been such a, what's cool about it is it's been a constant incline, which is good. We didn't like blow up and then fizzle out. So every, every single record, every single new thing has felt like it was been a climb up. Yeah. Well, I was like revisiting a lot of the music and stuff. I was not that I'm some genius or anything, but I was just like, I was like, holy shit, these, they're badasses. Like this isn't like, this is an incredible body of work that I, you don't, see from like like you said like most bands three albums and like they're gone (laughs) i I think i think one of our advantages was that we weren't business minded we were we were art minded and we were like uh so yeah and every album was a snapshot at time at, at that time and for me i could say like just pushing myself to be better and better i mean all of us i think but um just pushing ourselves to just be better and create something. And yeah, I, I, I enjoy going back and listening to it now. I didn't, you know, for a long time. <laughs> Can you relax when you listen to it now and not nitpick? Yeah. I kind of get like teary eyed. I, it, it's all of it is like flashback towards memories of those albums, making those albums, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good sign when you don't remember the bad times. You just remember the good times. It's like, that's the, that's the reminiscing I like. Cause when you're like too close to it, you just remember how hard, how difficult, um, yeah. making records is and you know, they, whatever interpersonal things are happening at that time. When you, uh, there was one thing I was curious about is like when, the Candace is the member who left, right? Or yeah. whatever. Was there, were you just like, fuck it, we're a trio now? Or did you consider bringing a fourth person in? No, we were, fuck it, we're a trio now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it just seems like you already had a chemistry, why fuck it up? But I, it seems like. Yeah, um, we we didn't uh, orchestrate the band as a four piece. Like it, it just happened. You know, we were roommates and she could play the keyboard and that's who we were at the time. And then like, what were we going to audition keyboard players? It's like ridiculous. <laughs> Plus, it wasn't even like that. It was when we, it was the vibe of the four of us together. So when one of us left, it was the three of us. And it was cool because then we had, we could expand on a different sound. It was like a new beginning in a way. Suck My Shirt is really the first album of the Code Hangers as we know them now. The first three are 
three? Yeah, the first three are like coat hangers of the beginning. This is why it's so interesting to listen to. It. It's like all super weird and I like it. When you met Scott, was were you already collaborating before you became, um, no. <laughs> we met in Dallas. Uh, we played the same festival. So like, um, had you met before or just, that was like the first time you guys met. Yeah. First time we met. Were there sparks? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, we were both really hungover because it was like right after South by. So it was nice. It was just like, a, you know, when you meet like-minded people, because I was just like over it. And he was all very nice. He's so kind and attentive and smart. So, and yeah. He, and very handsome. I've seen photos. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> I just, I'm always curious how, you know, cause I, like, um, there's people who meet a thousand times and then suddenly one day they become romantic and you're like, what, what didn't happen the first time? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> wrong, wrong place, wrong time. No, we, we started like sort of dating from across the country and then, um, he really helped a lot. He did a lot of the graphic design and the t-shirt design for coat hangers. When we met, he actually did the cover design for suck my shirt, the layout and everything. Um, he's, so we started working together like on the art things pretty quickly. Oh, and then my second seven inch I recorded for white woods, like, um, I re-recorded, I did this one version and I didn't really care for it. And then Scott was like, well, let's re-record it. And that was the first time we actually worked together on music. I went out and he recorded um, Big Talking and Corner Town and we put out that seven inch. So that's the first time we actually worked together. And yeah, and like, you know, he's just really creative and capable, multi-dimensional, he can make videos. He's made coat hangers videos. He's made everything. He's very, very talented. So we started working together right away. I was watching the video of how, and I forgive me for not remembering which song it was for, but he, it was a video of him showing how he made the video. And it was really, I, mean, I was like, holy shit, this dude's, I mean, it's like, oh, this is, he's one of those guys who can do everything, right? <laughs> yeah, he's like super creative and also like not afraid of, to try stuff, you know, where I'm like, I'm more like, well, does it work? He'll be like, well, let's find out if it works. <laughs> I want to so, be that guy. Yeah, it's very nice. He's, he's, uh, he's a magical creature. It definitely pushes me out of my comfort zone. That's uh, when did you? Was it hard to leave Atlanta to move to Long Beach? To um, that's I'm assuming that's how the thing went. Down. Yeah, um, you know I wasn't really home that much. Like you know, for the past ten years, I really haven't been at home. So it was changing home base wasn't that difficult until like I had some time off and I was like, oh, I miss you know family friends, knowing how to get around. You know, <laughs> but Long Beach is such an amazing community and they're really open and we, you know, we made friends and I love it here. Yeah. Plus the weather doesn't suck. No, it's too humid in uh, Atlanta. 
<laughs> well, they have snow, I mean, rain and clouds and things, you know. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, so I know all the bullshit. <laughs> um, uh, so, so when did you, was, when you guys became a, a, a couple, a married couple, were you like, we're going to start a band together? Or was that like a organic sort of happening? Well, I, you know, I always wanted to put out a record of, you know, solo stuff. And then, um, we kind of demoed maybe me by myself. We worked on this record a lot. We have a lot like of iterations. Um, but then we started playing together and it was really, really nice. And he, so he plays bass and drums on the record, um, and recorded it and mixed it. Um, yeah. And then we were like, well, we, cause we wrote some of the songs together and some of the songs were previously written and it just kind of like worked. And that's why we changed it to soft palms because it was different. It's different than white woods. White woods is like really just me. Like I played everything on the white woods records, except for like one thing. Um, and this one was together. So yeah, I, I think it was always in the works but then it finally had an opportunity to get out and find an audience be released. <laughs> well, you have a five-year-old audience member, at least. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was like a really weird year to release a record. But yeah. Was that kind of just like, well, we got to do it type of thing? Like, yeah, everything was in the works. You know, everything was already paid for, already shipping, already scheduled. So by the time everything shut down, there was no like, like, well, <laughs> you know, this is happening. Um, and you know, I don't regret it. I think it gave us some things to work on during a really difficult time, difficult, difficult year and allowed us to, you know, yeah. To focus on, on creation instead of destruction. There was a lot of focus on destruction in 2020 and we were trying to get stay focused on creation. This I, I hope this doesn't sound corny or sappy or but is it to play with you've played with a lot of people is it is there a different feeling when you're playing with somebody that you're in love with? <laughs> I saw did was that an eye roll or walking <laughs> by I just it's because it's a different when you have that connect you know like music hi Scott how are you I told her you're handsome nice to meet you <laughs> also I love the growlers but um. <clears throat> um, you what i'll tell him oh okay yeah <laughs> um but is there is there does that change the feeling of performing i don't know if that is that a really corny but i think i uh i've loved i've loved everyone that i've played with and so at points you look over and you go I love you so much. And at points you look over and go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a very close relationship. Um, and then you could speak to each other, you know, without speaking. So like just a sudden eye movement and they're like, what did I do? <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think it's, it's really good because you can be totally honest. <laughs> Um, 
And it feels good, you know, whenever you hit like that spirit world, because we we play with a bass player named Corey and um, we've never actually got to play a show, but we, you know, rehearse and stuff. And like when the three of us are playing together, it's just, you know, it feels really good. And it's kind of like you look over sometimes you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I've just never really been I've never played with people that I with strangers too much. Right. So I don't know what the difference is. Probably like you're a little bit more shy with telling people how you actually feel about their playing. <laughs> right. Are you planning on doing any live stream type of things? Like, no. Uh, <laughs> I I don't, I mean, definitely not for coat hangers. Cause that means, you know, plane tickets and oh, like, I meant for softball. <laughs> Soft palms, we thought about it. It just has to be, like, really nicely done. Scott is, like, a super sound snob. <laughs> so if it doesn't sound good and if it's not going through a board and we don't have the right mics, then he's, like, he's not really into iPhone video, you know. So, like, um, if it, I think it would have to just be very special, We'd have to set it up to be very special, maybe outdoors. But then the capturing the sound thing is going to be, um, yeah. I uh, I don't see us doing any live streams, but you never know. Right. Um, and something that I really loved is, did you both start um, studios for schools? Scott started it. Um, I was... I, w- I came on board later when we when we got the official 401c um yeah and it's it's something like a passion project that he started with his dad wow. and then yeah his dad um was on the alumni association of the school santiago high school where he went to high school and he brought scott in as uh like with for guidance and building redoing this room this room closet into a full recording studio and scott just went in there and like they built out the whole thing we got he got sponsorships uh or drum sponsors and we donated some instruments and they have a full live room with the board and pro tools and a green uh screen like and it was really cool. And we took the kids on field trips to LA and to recording studios and into basically just opening up their eyes as to what is possible out there. Because some of these kids living in Garden Grove, which is like, um, you know, like south of Long Beach, they've never been to LA and LA is only an hour away. They've never been to the city where everything happens. And if, if the, you're interested in production or anything like that, like you're so close here. So uh, I went in there and like played and they recorded me one time. And there's just been a, a really nice experience to letting, allowing kids or young people really to experience the recording studio be comfortable in it be comfortable speaking up learn how to roll cables he actually had them come out to one of the festivals and you know like um shadow the sound engineer record uh, that was doing the live sound um just you know that's really kids to the thing is it, uh, it like expand to other high schools as well or like around 
we did get asked to do um, a, a school from New York reached out uh, and then a school from Portland. But that's right when the shutdown happened. So with COVID and the closing of schools, we haven't really been able to expand upon it. Um, we kind of just got the Santiago school up to speed with everything they need. Um, so yeah, looking forward to moving on to others for sure. It's, it's just, it's like, it's literally something that could save a kid's life. I know that sounds traumatic, but I, I think of myself in high school and it's like the things that I discovered that, and the, you know, I ended up hanging out at this theater in Chicago. And if I hadn't found that, uh, man, <laughs> it's like it would have been dark. <laughs> yeah, that's a, exactly self-expression. And then just everything feels so out of reach. And when you put it within reach, say, no, you could do this. I mean, you know, it's like really important to hear that you can do it. And it's not just for other people who are somehow more gifted than you. It's like, it's all nonsense. Yeah, because if you don't have those avenues for, of expression, whatever it may be, I feel like a lot of people end up expressing themselves in unhealthy ways and like in a weird way. Like my father never learned how to express himself and thus here I am, a damaged human being. <laughs> but I mean, I'd say that slightly joking, but it's like that he didn't have places to put his emotion, so he put it in unhealthy places and that's... Even if you're not a good songwriter, fucking write a song. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Even if it's a poem, I mean, really like any sort of any expression, you don't ever have to show it to anyone, but I think you just have to remind people. You have to remind people. They're so distracted by distractions, you know, <laughs> they, forget. they forget that this, the simple is still true. I mean, it's, we're we're all human. We're all really, really human. We have to remember we have flaws and we have needs and we have uh, imperfections, and that that's the perfect part about it. <clears throat> yeah. Do you think about often how you that you've affected probably thousands upon thousands of people's lives with their your music in a positive way? No, but, <laughs> but when I do think about it, it's, it's very touching because, you know, we've had like all kinds of people come up and tell us that we helped them through a rough time or help them through war or help them see something positive or help them have an outlet. I mean, definitely our life shows are you know, a catharsis for a lot of people because just, mm, you know, I, I don't think of it on a great, on that, that big a scale of thousands and thousands. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know definitely maybe five people. <laughs> really. I think you're selling yourself short, but that's. <laughs> well, that's good. I don't want to sell myself too tall. <laughs> I, I, I that's very humbling and, and really important. And I hope that that is true. I hope, you know what we, I know because we never, uh, we weren't like whalers. We weren't like, you know, guitar gods or whatever that we inspired a lot of people that to start a band because it seems so attainable. They'd be like, Oh, if they, if these chicks could do it, I could do it. You know? And it's like, that's, I think 
that's really cool. I think we inspired people to start playing just, you know, for fun at least and not having to be the guitar center, you know, shredder. Because <laughs> all you need, like, that's what's cool about punk because you just need like, and, you know, we're not necessarily whatever, but like, you just need like three chords, you know, write a song. So sometimes you only need one shit. Like, you know, <laughs> stop playing. <laughs> your other chords. Um, that's cool. Thank you for saying that. Though. That's very nice. You're welcome. I just, you know, I, I've loved music my whole life. I'm not capable of really doing anything with it creatively, but I, as a person, and then to, and I, I never talk about my kids in the podcast. So please don't think I'm like this guy who just talks about <laughs> his fucking kids all the time. But it's like to see her the way she reacted to your music. It's like there's, and it, it just reminds me of like how you know, a big of an effect. And I remember that as a, like a kid hearing music and like it sticking with me. And like, I think I heard, uh, the Harry Nilsson song, um, everybody's talking when I was a kid. And I did, I remember the first time I heard it and it stuck with me my entire fucking life. And every time I hear that song, it evokes those same emotions. And that's what I saw in my daughter the other day. And I was just like that sort of magic of music. And it's like, yeah uh yeah that's so cool i mean yeah that's really cool there is such a magic in music it's a universal language i mean it really is so i'm 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 really happy to participate in it and and to have the opportunity to make records in it you know the impetus to finish something (laughs) yes and I got a lot of half songs, so it's like <laughs> really good to have, uh, you know, a reason to finish them. Um, well, I want to thank you very much for your time. I really have enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please remember to go to the linked tree. Uh, link in my show notes and support me on Patreon if you can, or just tell your friends about the show. That would really mean a great deal to me. Tell people about the show and follow my social media. And again, if, if you like, join the Patreon, become a subscriber and get bonus material, videos, blogs, all kinds of stuff. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 